Join Chelsea, Kurt, and Trent each and every week as we talk indigenous music and amplify indigenous voices. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Thicker Than Blood. I am Trent Ajakude. And I am Leanne Goose. And today we are here with Carrie Bovet mason uh, Welcome, Carrie. How are you doing today? Thank you. I'm doing well. Uh, can we start off by maybe you telling us a little bit about yourself and your relations? Well, I come from a large family uh, with uh, 13 children. Uh, Tom and Mae Bovet, he was a returned soldier. And Mom was a wife of a returned soldier, a Métis woman. Just like so many other Métis women, they married returned soldiers, eh? Yeah. 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 Well, anyway, we we come from that kind of a legacy. And uh, there were 13 of us. And uh, probably, I would say most of us played guitar. You know how it was back then. And, you know, there was guitars hanging on the walls. And, you know, pretty well anybody could pick it off the wall and play it. So, uh yeah, there was a lot of guitar players. And then again, there were some singers in my family. Mm-hmm. I wasn't one of them. <laughs> <laughs> my experience in singing was always alto. Like I sang uh, uh, harmony uh, bluegrass. Oh, nice. And uh, so I wasn't the lead singer. If I didn't have a lead singer that could really put out with, the, you know, uh, with gospel or at least bluegrass, then <clears throat> I couldn't uh, harmonize to a quiet person. So anyway, uh, then in our family, uh, we had uh, Alvin was our oldest son. And he wound up being a, a terrific guitar player, and he did it on the sly. I don't know why he <laughs> wouldn't let his dad know. Oh. Him and his brother Jack, when they'd get home from school, they'd go in the bedroom and turn on the record player, and Alvin would learn these songs, uh, like Buck Owens and Merle Iyard and that, those kind of songs. Yeah. He'd learn the lead part of it, the intros, the instrumental breaks, and the endings. And he was very fussy. He, he got them perfected. And uh, Kathy sang and played the guitar. So there's a few of those practices that uh, Kathy was practicing, too. But anyway, Tiki didn't know a thing about it, and I didn't tell him. (laughs) (laughs) Until finally one day, I said to Alvin, I said, I want Dad to hear you play the guitar. You know, it was just fantastic. He wound up winning an appearance on TV in Red Deer. After that, after Tiki found out, he started hauling him around. And uh, so anyway, that day when Tiki come home from work, I said, I said, well, just have a coffee and relax and uh, sit down. I said, because um, Alvin and Jack are coming out here 
Well, Jack was his support. He didn't say it. <laughs> he was there for him, and he still is. And uh, he uh, got the guitar and amp all set up there in the living room. And uh, so Tiki said, well, what are you guys doing? And uh, I said, well, they've been practicing. Alvin's learning to play the guitar. And, uh, of course, when he was got right down to the nitty-gritties, I played, uh, I chorded, played, you know, played backup uh, rhythm for him and <clears throat> made sure that he didn't miss anything. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, I got my flat top out, and they got the tally out, and we took off playing a... Buck Owens tune, and I couldn't help but peek at Tiki because he he looked so darn pitiful. <laughs> he was crying, but he was trying to hold it back, and <laughs> the tears were coming out of his eyes. <laughs> I knew he he was going to break down, and sure enough, when Alvin finished off that. Uh, uh, Buck Owens tune in right to the last note. You know how Buck Owens and his partner played together? I forget the guy that died. Don Rich. Don Rich. And uh, anyway, Alvin made sure that it was finished off the way it was supposed to be. And of course, I backed him up and Tiki just about fell off the chair. It was really awesome. So, you know, he didn't get too far with his music, and booze had a lot to do with it, you know. Oh, yeah. He's good now. But uh, back then, it was such a temptation. Tiki drug him around here and there, showing him off. (laughs) And I don't blame him. But I always had to play rhythm, or else Kathy would sing a song and play rhythm. But, yeah, we'd have the bass with us, too. So Kathy or I, either one of us would play bass. And Tiki would play pedal steel. Well, we had different uh, singers. You know, Kathy was one of them. And I wound up that Donnie, my brother, he was practicing all those songs, and he was getting them down pat. And so they started doing dances all around the country. And uh, Jack wound up playing drums. And they wound up cutting a, an album in Edmonton. And you can still find those albums around here and there. But uh, they never went anywhere, of course, because, you know, you've got to push your stuff. You can't just record something and let it lay on a shelf. So that's where this record laid, was on the shelf, and we gave most of them away, of course. Yeah. We didn't make much money on it. I don't know. I should give you a break and let you say something. (laughs) (laughs) But we like listening to your stories, Carrie, so much. Oh, no, really? (laughs) No, yeah, you're you're a great talker. It reminds me. Well, you've known me for a long time. Like, my oh, dad... Heavens. I've known you since you were four. 
<laughs> yeah, that's that's a long time. When you were up on the stage with your dad, and you were playing this little guitar, and you said, "Doggone cute!" I took your picture. I had yeah. that picture for a long time. You're wow. only four years old, and you could and you could keep time. Yeah. Well. I, 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 too, followed my dad around like uh, Alvin followed Tiki around. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any favorite memories, Terry, of playing on stage with your family? Like, what, what are some of your favorite memories having everybody there with you? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'd have to stop and think for a minute because it used to happen pretty well every year when they put up that tent. Usually there was a... a a change of people on the stage, you know. Yeah. And uh, so my brothers and my sister Debbie, she was a golly singer. She sang all Dolly Parton songs and stuff like that. The Red Lynn. Uh, she was a good singer. And uh, my brother Donnie, of course, he he was pretty well pro after a while because. You know, he kind of at least uh, promoted his records a little bit. And uh, I had a brother, George, that was a good singer. He did nightclubs and did a single or a duo most of the time. And he had to wait till he had breaks because he was always uh, welding. And, well, Donnie was the same way, you know. Uh, you can't make a living on playing music. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, you should know. <laughs> oh, I've tried. Well, if you don't have something else to do in between yeah. weekends. Uh, so anyway, Tiki and I, <clears throat> this was back when they were building the dam out at Nordic, and, and Abraham Lake was <clears throat> where our camp was set up. It was not turned loose yet, so we were just sitting. Everything was on the ground, and and Tiki was working in the sawmill, and I was cooking. So every weekend, <laughs> we were booked solid Friday and Saturday, <laughs> and that went on and on all through the time we played. I mean, we worked out there at... Uh, we worked out at that dam until it started crawling up the valley. And it was only about 20 feet from the, the site of that sawmill by the time we got out of there. We had everything packed up and had, I don't know how many loads of stuff, taken out of there and moved everything off of that site because... The lake moved in pretty fast. <laughs> yeah. Eh? By the end of the week, there was water all the way up the valley. So, uh, yeah, that's one part of my story. And every weekend, Friday and Saturday, we had to quickly get uh, dressed and, you know, bathed and dressed and ready to go and play. And we always had to start at 9 o'clock. I don't know why. Because uh, that's always pretty early. And, you know, your crowd doesn't get there till 10-ish or, you know, 
9.30, 10 o'clock. But by midnight, they're going full tilt. And, you know, back then, we didn't uh, stop at midnight. A lot of times we played till 3 in the morning. And uh, then we had to get up and sleep. We had to get home and sleep to get ready for Saturday night. And um, our poor kids, we'd have probably supper at Grandma's before we went to play Saturday night. So we'd see our kids at the supper table. Yeah, we played Friday and Saturday. And that went on and on. I can't even remember what year it was. Probably 70s. And uh, I don't know. I just wanted to get that little bit bit of a punch in there for Abraham Lake and, you know, the dam, the Nordic Dam, or Bighorn, they called it. Bighorn Dam. That must have been a really challenging time for you, Carrie. I know that you've spent many years talking with people, and that was part of your bread and butter, not only just entertaining, but listening to people's stories. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I loved... Uh, Stories of the olden days. And, I, you know, I never really got too much of that on paper. I had to do some novels and, you know, really, I'd dream and then I'd put my dreams on paper. And that's how I got Louis Riel, got his story, along with a, a lot of uh, research. You know, I'd read myself to sleep, and the next thing I knew, the story was coming alive. I could see what they were wearing, and, you know, it really brought my novels to life, having dreams like that. So anyway, now I've got a trilogy of Louis Riel, and uh, a single uh, novel of the fur trade women called My Girl, Louis Riel's called my boy. And uh, that's uh, how I put things to paper. Uh, I can't say I was a really great writer, but some people enjoyed my books. I just didn't get them distributed very well. They're still sitting in cases. And uh, so anyway, I'm going to throw up my page here. I have another question for you. Yeah. Harry, you have grown up in music. You have raised your children in and around music. That's the legacy that you come from. Yes. You transferred that into writing and um, providing literature for our people. Can you offer your wisdom for others interested in following their passion in the arts? Well, you know, I did a bit of that, <clears throat> you know, when I was, uh, well, back when I was able to travel and I, my sister had this thing going on down in Medicine Hat, it was called History in the Hills, and <clears throat> she had the Métis people out in their their old original stomping grounds there in um Medicine Hat, what's it called now? Um, there's a lake out there. And there's a, uh, actually now there's a 
rodeo grounds. And every year we use that rodeo grounds for that history in the hills because there's a big cookhouse and, you know, lots of space to park and stuff like that. So uh, she generally had, I don't know, probably a couple hundred people come through there. Well, adults, you know, because the school buses would come in and just park, you know, in a row along the fence in the rodeo grounds. And she'd feed all those people. Like it was uh, Métis uh, cuisine, you know, bannock and stew and that sort of thing. All the good stuff. Raisin pudding. Yeah, so anyway, I was her speaker. There was a tent for me and a tent for about seven people that uh, were involved with, uh, or that could tell stories about the beginnings in the prairies there. And uh, I'd have my books there. And those classes that came through there, we had our chance for 20 minutes to tell our story and ask ask our questions to the kids and let them ask us questions. And there was usually about 15 or 20 students that would come in through the tent door flap. And then Debbie would ring a bell and there would be a lineup outside my door so that the ones that were sitting on the floor there, they'd have to jump up and finish off the, you know, the session by dancing the jig because I'd put that record on full tilt. You know, Red River Jig, eh? Oh, yeah. And uh, so those kids would dance all the way in, and the ones that were coming in didn't quite know what was going on, but we'd (laughs) call them in and get them to sit down and get, you know, comfortable, and she then shut the the record player off and start, you know, introductions and on and on. But 20 minutes later, that bell would ring again, and up would get the kids to dance the Red River Jig. They'd go out the door, and as they were dancing out the door, this lineup was coming towards the other side, and uh, somebody would be out there telling them, come on in. So they'd all come in and sit down and get comfortable, and... We'd start the next class for 20 minutes before Debbie would come around with her bell. But uh, I did that, you know, I made quite a good living for a while with that. And uh, I really enjoyed it. You know, the teachers and parents were even in the tent. So, you know, not only just children, but those students would ask questions too, and their questions were good, you know. So bridging those generations and you have grandchildren that also play music. Yes, for sure. Yeah. And they start pretty young. They start playing with Papa and I to start with. And then pretty soon before you know it, they're out there, you know, starting their own uh, bands. 
that's how they are now. Like they, yeah. well, I don't I've even had, know what the name of their bands are. I've had the pleasure of playing with your grandson Mikey and your granddaughter Cheyenne. Hey, you're right on. Yeah, and we've taken them to a couple of places up north to travel. So looking forward to always coming back out to the country and hanging out and sharing music with all of you. All right on. <laughs> well, that's perfect. What do you play, Leah? Uh, I sing, play guitar quite poorly, but I sing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on now. <laughs> I know different, but what um, what do you sing? Country? Uh, lots of country, and I do write my own original songs. Hey, that's beautiful. Yeah, it's all about capturing our stories, right, and the people that make, just make this interesting tapestry of life and how we all are connected. But I want to say thank sure. you so much for taking the time to talk with us today and share your words with the people on your life experience in music. You know, music heals. I had cancer twice, and I was healed both times with music. That's truly an amazing thing, and I do believe that music heals because it's definitely changed my life. Oh, most definitely. You're listening to Do You Hear Me Now? Amplifying Indigenous Voices, where each and every week we bring you stories about Indigenous music and Indigenous artists all across Turtle Island.